0: We are going to continue our series in, in the book of Psalm. Um, we're going to look at Psalm 103. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a long time. Um, you know, it's definitely nice seeing, uh, you know, all of you in person. It's, def- it's totally different when I'm behind a computer screen and um, just seeing some of you already kind of um it already warmed my heart a lot. <laughs> these are uh <laughs> these are I'm not sad, I'm just overwhelmed with joy. Um just see the, the church the brethren. See, this is what I miss. It's just uh you guys showed this to us um, even at the start of the pandemic. Um, you know you guys brought food to my family. Uh, and it just speaks about your your character. Uh, when I look at you guys and I look at the church, that's what I think about. I think about how sacrificial you guys are, how caring, how thoughtful you guys are. And I totally missed that. Because I know it wasn't the same. It definitely was not the same behind you know a computer screen. And I know that we, we all are trying to make it work. But at the same time, you know, my my soul, my heart, it was just uh I had a deep longing for the church you know, to be able to worship together again, to have fellowship with all of you. And so this is refreshing. And I know some of you guys are on Zoom, so hello there. Uh, And uh, hopefully we'll see each other in person. Um, But definitely, definitely miss you guys as well. Uh, I know that uh, the last time I spoke here, uh, it was in... uh, it was in October, uh, so it seemed like a long time ago. And I was telling you about how uh, I had a, a, a three-month-old little boy. Uh, well, now he's uh, ten months old. <laughs> he grew up tremendously fast. I have no idea what we've been feeding him, but he just grew. Uh, he's been an absolute joy, and uh, you know, even now I can already see, you know, the the little sinner that's coming out uh, from within. Uh, he's definitely more defiant. Uh, the more I say no to him, the more he interprets that that as yes. You know, I say no, he he thinks it's yes. Uh, he loves grabbing my glasses when I'm wearing them. Um, he loves blowing raspberries. You know, not not blowing the fruit, but just he's blowing. Uh, you know, the you know kind of thing. I can't do it here because then droplets will fly everywhere. Uh, uh, and and the worst is when he's eating you know when he's eating he has like avocado all over his mouth and he decides to blow raspberries all over me and uh, i understand now why parents you know can never have nice clothes right or they they can never keep their clothes clean you know because i always see parents and i'm always like oh you got something here you know and they're like ah, oh, it's fine you know it's normal it's normal that i have like a milk stain here avocado here um And that's just, it's just normal. And now I get it, you know, I'm just uh, this walking napkin to him. Uh, Later on in the message, I'll speak on a father showing compassion to his children, which is in verse 13 of Psalm 103. Um, That Psalm that we just sang uh, might sound kind of familiar to you guys, because we sing it, you know, Fridays and Sundays. Um, You know, it's, it's, by zach jones from sovereign grace music um and i just uh i thought it was just so fitting because you know as james is singing or as we're singing the lyrics it just it's almost like he's reading the the whole you know the whole chapter here um and also by the way uh james cool setup i, I really like that setup you sound really clean uh and thank you for leading that song. How appropriate that, you know, we're studying Psalm 103 and we're singing Psalm 103. Um, But tonight we're gonna try to get a good grasp and understanding of the lyrics that are behind a song and some other songs that came out of Psalm 103. You know, what inspired the soul and the songwriters to write some of these songs you know what do they mean, right? What do these lyrics mean, and where are they from? Uh, but before we dive into that, let's uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we just want to thank you for tonight, Lord, the opportunity to be able to worship together. Lord, it's been a while, and I know that our situation has been different for the past year and a half or so. But Lord, you never change. And the way that we feel about you should never change. Because what you have done on the cross has been forever uh, been complete, and it's been forever accomplished. And it continues to be accomplished, Lord. And so we have much to celebrate In our soul, and in our thoughts, and in our minds, in our hearts, in our emotions, Lord. There's so much to celebrate. Let us look into the psalm and see what it is that brings the psalmist into much acclamation for you. We thank you for just your love, and we thank you for tonight. Pray that we would just have open ears and open hearts to hear your word. We thank you and pray all this in your name. Amen. Psalm 103 is pure praise from beginning to the end. It is eternal praise, and it is gospel praise and it is full of gospel truth. Psalm 103 is just pure worship because its sole focus is on one person. It's on Yahweh. That is the only name of God used in the entire psalm. Yahweh is the tetragrammaton, right? It's not, sounds like a transformer, but It is the four-letter Hebrew word transliterated as Yahweh, right? It only has the four consonants. It is the unspeakable name of God, the I Am. It is focused on worshiping the I Am, the Eternal One. And the worship is made up of, you know, this remembrance of this magnificent reality Of God's salvation blessings. And the psalmist here is is reciting this over and over again, and it's just this pure praise. And when I say pure praise, I mean that there's nothing else that's mixed in with this praise, right? There's no mention of any historical circumstances around the psalm, because a lot of psalms give a little context, right, in the beginning about why it's written, or maybe it's It gives some info into a certain point of time. For instance, if you look at the psalm before this, on Psalm 102, you'll see at the beginning, it says, A prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. Uh, This is in the ESV. And then even in Psalm 114, right, all you have to do is read verse 1 and it says, You'll you'll read, when Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language. So there's a little bit of context here, but in Psalm 103, there's nothing. No mention of any historical circumstance with regard to the writing of the Psalm. And it is universally applicable. For the Christian believer, it is the focus of his or her life For a believer, this is truth, right? This is this is true north. There's no mention of enemies or foes or any kind of threats. There are no requests. There's no complaints. There's no lines of sadness. And if you look at Psalm again, Psalm 102, 1, the first verse is hear my prayer, O Lord, right? There's that request. And then verse 23. He has broken my strength in mid-course, right? He has shortened my days. Oh my God, I say, take me not away in the midst of my days, you whose years endure throughout all generations. And there's that line of sadness and requests. And then you're like, well, maybe if I go to Psalm 104, Psalm 104 might be good, right? And it, it sounds pretty good, right? It's continuing from 103 to 104. And it says, you know, bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. And then you get down near the end to verse 35, the very last verse. And it's, let sinners be consumed, right, from the earth and let the wicked be no more. It's like, ah, we were so close. We were so close to going out. You know, to an all-out praise, and then you throw this vengeful thought. You know, thanks. You know, you ruined it. But this is what Psalm 103 is, right? It's all joyous and thankful, overflowing praise, and, and it rises from the heart of those who have been given full and eternal salvation. And there's no other. There's no other pure outburst of praise that exists in Scripture. This is a full, all-in praise. And you can see in verse 1 to 3, it starts with four alls. It says, verse 1, right? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all, all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, right? Not some of his benefits, but all of it. And then verse 3, for who forgives all your iniquity who heals all your diseases and then it ends with for alls from verses 19 to 22 which we'll we'll look at later the psalmist doesn't want to miss anything right he he wants to get everything that he remembers and it's almost like how we you know we pray quickly at a restaurant We kind of genuinely want to give a a thanks properly. You know, when we're praying at a restaurant, we kind of remember, we try to remember, we try to remember, what did we just learn? You know, what did we just hear about? Um, And I want to be able to say this prayer to thank, you know, thank God for the food. But I also want to like, you know, pull something from the sermon, you know, thank you for something that we've learned today. But sometimes you forget. And, you know, sometimes you're trying to remember as you're praying. Uh, and so, you know, time goes on and then your, you know, your prayer turns into like three minutes and all that food, that steam comes into like people's senses. And they're like, oh, come on, hurry up, you know, just say amen so I can eat. But then you're like, no, I want to cover everything. So then there's this universal line, you know, this very safe line. So it says that, And Lord, thank you for everything that you have done for us. You know, that's, got it you got everything you covered everything because you said everything thank you for everything and that's really what this is right it's not i mean it's not like it's a it's a cop out you're not saying i ran out of time but saying i want to thank you for all things and not miss anything at all so the psalmist is listing this all in praise right all that is within me bless his holy name everything i want to pull out everything that i know All that is within me, bless his holy name and forget not all his benefits. I'm going to go throughout the whole entire scripture and try to remember every single benefit if I can. Right? Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. And it begins with a personal call to worship Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And then it ends with a personal call to worship Again, bless the Lord, oh my soul right? These, this is the, the bread on top, bread on the bottom. And then in between all of that, it gives the command to everyone and everything that exists to praise the Lord, to bless his name, to worship him. It is a psalm only for believers, those who, according to verses 11, 13, and 17, fear the Lord, or those who are true worshipers of the Lord. Or in verse 18, those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments and again yahweh is the only divine name that appears and it is his own name right it's not a descriptive name but his name i am it is the worship of the i am the one true living god the one who eternally exists who never had a beginning who never had an ending he alone he is alone absolute reality right all other reality he created he is constant independent sovereign he is truth he is love he is light he is life he is beauty he is perfection he is holiness he is joy he is everything so he alone is worthy of worship right this is yahweh this is the yahweh that we worship. And he is also the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you look at this psalm, it is a call to worship, right? And it has three parts. The first call from verses one through five is the internal call. And then we'll look at the external call and then the universal call. So it starts with, Bless the Lord, O my soul, right? It begins with the command to one's own soul, to speak to God in ways that give him honor and glory, describing his majesty, describing his full beauty, describing all that is true about him in terms of attributes and works. This is, oh, bless the Lord, my soul, right? This is yourself. This is yourself talking to yourself. And if you're going to talk to yourself, say this, right? So bless the Lord, bless the Lord. You're telling your soul to continue to bless the Lord. And that's where the worship starts. But that cry to the soul is only as loud as one's knowledge of God. It's only as compelling as one's holiness, right? If you don't know much about God, it, then it's this very small voice that calls you in your own heart to bless the Lord. It's so small. Or maybe if your life is cluttered with transgression and sin and iniquity, you're going to find it to be very difficult to call on your soul to worship the Lord. Right? This is from the soul that has a deep knowledge of God and a love for what is holy and pure. Now, I remember when I was younger, I used to let some Christian music uh, drive my emotions and it, dro- it drove the e- external praise that I had, right? I used to think it was internal, but really, I just liked the the drive of that, that bass guitar. The boom, 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 boom. And then the, the marching of the drum. Bah, 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 bah. Uh, actually, no, it's not papa. It's boom, 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 boom. You know, it's like this buildup. And then you have this nice sustain and reverb uh, sound from the electric guitar you know it just is like a celestial kind of. But then you have the boom 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 and it's just okay i'm not making it very sound very nice but, but you kind of get the point where you know i'm listening to this music there's this. Uh, tremendous buildup, and it's driving your kind of emotions to worship the Lord right and then. Because of that, you're able to repeat a certain line, you know, like 20 times, and it seems okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with having external praise, but then I was fooled into thinking that I had pure internal praise, right? It was the music that was driving my worship versus the knowledge of God that I had that was driving my expression. And this is what's happening here, right? In... Um, one of, uh, Psalm 103, the opposites happening where there is no, there is no um, bass guitar. There's no electric guitar. There's no drums, right? This worship is without a, a praise band. It's without any orchestra. There's no flashy lights. There's no lights that change colors, right? Uh, there's no fog machine. There's no moody darkness. This is pure heart worship. This is an outpour of praise from the heart that is reflecting on God and his character and the salvation that he has given. The song is in the heart before it's ever in the room, right? This is what we call true worship, and the Father seeks true worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth, without regard to any external experience right without regard to any external aid the sheer extravagant exuberant joy and gratitude for god and his saving grace right bless the lord oh my soul it wasn't contingent on anything else it was just from knowing who god is that i just want to say bless the lord oh my soul Bless the Lord is not just a kind of partial focus or a partial concentration. It's not just finding a slot in there along with everything else, right? But it is bless the Lord, all that is within me, essentially everything in my faculty, I bless the Lord, right? This is internally motivated. And this is basically like loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. With all your capacities, right? With all of our capacities, we should be blessing the Lord. And you should bless his holy name, the name that encompasses his holiness, which is absolutely separated from sin. Again, we have no knowledge of any event here in Psalm 103. No knowledge of any event or circumstance that prompts the psalmist to write this. So that, you know, when you look at this, it's not somehow motivated by an occurrence in life, right? Instead, the psalmist here is saying, this is, this is the way of life. He's not saying, I wrote this because I was saved by an, a whole army. He's saying, this is the way of life, right? Nothing external moves the psalmist. It is the, it's basically the sheer contemplation of God in all of his glory and his grace, extended to us in salvation. That should cause us to praise him. All right, It causes a praise in the heart. And this rises to him in the name of his holiness. It embraces his holiness, embraces his separateness, his otherness, his it's the heart erupting. It's erupting in gratitude for salvation. And this is how we are to live our lives, right? And it gets very specific in verse 2. Says, verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, this is a command to my soul to note every benefit from God, every benefit, right? To catalog uh, every grace, every mercy, every act, every provision, every protection, every kindness, every expression of love, every providence, right? This is where that idiom, uh, count your blessings, come in, right? This is it, to count your blessings, to not forget all his benefits. And this is how we are to live our lives, with this constant cataloging, right, and recitation of um, of the Lord's benefits, to constantly remind yourself and to catalog in your head what you remember about you know, God's blessings to us. Now, I remember uh, back in Davis, I would walk to school. Um, uh, sometimes I rode the bike because it was too hot, but uh, walking would take like 25 to 30 minutes. And I took that, I took that time because I wanted to memorize lyrics from a, a Christian rap song uh, called Atonement Q&A by Shylin, Lin. Uh, and I, I wanted the lyrics to stick in my head. And the only way I could do that was I would take the time to recite it in my head over and over again. Um, and as I was walking to school, that's, I just played it in my ear and I just, I had a piece of paper with lyrics and I just kept reading it, reading it, you know, I just kept looking at it and said, oh, who is God? God is the universe's creator and sustainer, plus the only savior there is no one greater. He's trying holy and impotent, omniscient, absolute, loving, sovereign, and righteous are a few of his attributes. And I'm like, oh, it's in, it's in here now. Now, whenever, you know, whenever I just do something, you know, sometimes I'm just walking out, it's stuck. It's stuck in my head. Who is God? God is the universe's creator and sustainer plus the only save. And it just keeps going. And it's stuck in my head forever because I've embedded it into my head. This is kind of the trick that I do to memorize verses, you know, but I don't, I don't have a, a catchy tune. But, you know, th- these are some of the things that we keep reciting in our heads. And I remember these truths. And I'm sure that most of us today have missed that opportunity. And we haven't said anything, you know, about thankfulness, you know, to the Lord, except maybe when we pray for our food, right? We kind of remember to to pray when we're, you know, we thank the Lord for the food and, you know, we bless the food, you know, thank you, fried chicken, You're, I hope you're so good to my body, you know, I know you're deep and oily and uh, yeah, just not good for my arteries, but bless you, you know. But do we recite some of the blessings, right, of who God is while we're taking a break from work, as we're driving somewhere, or we're, we're, you know, studying for school. This is how we are, we are to live our lives, right? This is the, the fountain of praise. And just imagine what relationships would look like, either in, in marriage or in home or with your friends, any other kind of situation. You know, if we were constantly cataloging the blessings of God, which are beyond our comprehension, and living in constant praise and worship to him, then we wouldn't have time for the nonsense. We'll live our life catalog- cataloging all his benefits. And you'll live your life in joy, right, in your own joy, and you make joy for everybody around you because the benefits from god they come non-stop at us no one who who has lived has been able to remember them all so none of us comes close to worshiping in the way we ought to worship right to worship like this is exactly what god demands and it is what god deserves but most of the time this is not what god gets right and he gives us at least a list to start with so he says, here are the benefits. And he says, look at verse three, right? Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Do you remember this? You know, do you remember this when you accepted Christ? This is the first of God's gifts to the penitent sinner who has become a true worshiper. This is salvation. This is a door to all of the treasure house of divine grace and mercy. This is the, the beginning. This is the first gospel statement. Right? The gospel, the good news is that God forgives all your iniquities. That's the good news, right? It's not about a happy life. It's not about purpose. It's not about fixing your life so that you can be super fulfilled. It's not about giving what you want. The good news is that the forgiveness of sin by which you escape hell and enter heaven, that's, that's what we want to celebrate. And that's why this is where our thanks begins, right? I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Right. I, I, I've forgiven, I've been forgiven, I'll continue to be forgiven, and you just keep cataloging God's forgiveness so that you don't forget, right? So that we don't be numb. We hear it on Sundays, we hear it on Fridays, sometimes we might hear it during the week, and then we forget, right? But the impact is the same. The forgiveness the more you hear it, it doesn't mean that the impact gets less. We just need to be reminded of it. And then when we look at the next part of verse three, it says, "Who heals all your diseases?" And some people think that this means, you know, your physical diseases. But it doesn't, um, because it's it's a parallel statement to what we just read, right? Who forgives all your iniquity? And he does actually forgive all your iniquities. So, whatever healing all your diseases means, it has to be as comprehensive as the forgiveness of your iniquities. And so, when we look at that, we can't be thinking, you know, is it referring to physical illness? Because all of us are in the process of dying, right? And we've all got physical illnesses. But what he's talking about here is. Healing of our spiritual diseases, the diseases of the soul. And in, in in Isaiah one. As God looks at sinful Israel, chapter one, verse five and six, He says, "Where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick, the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is nothing." Sound in it only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. You're like an untreated leopard," he says. To and this is what he's saying to Israel. You know, he's talking about spiritual ailment. So here, the Lord forgives all our iniquities, and He heals all the diseases of our soul. Right, pride. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, hatred, rebellion against him. Those are the things that he's healing and that he heals. And one day, when we're glorified, he will heal all the diseases of our body when we receive a new body like Christ's resurrection body. And what are the benefits, right? Forgiveness and spiritual healing, which really describes uh, regeneration, the making of a new creature or the new birth. And then you look at verse four, right? Who redeems your life from the pit. And he's here talking about your salvation, right? Your redemption. But connected to your redemption is your resurrection, right? You will you will rise from the grave to be glorified redeemed by the blood of jesus christ i mean these are all amazing benefits right when you first heard the gospel this wasn't something that you just glossed over saying you will rise from the grave to be glorified redeemed by the blood of jesus christ forgiveness of sin the healing of your spiritual diseases the redemption of your life that one day, that one day, right, it means you'll be lifted back up out of the grave to eternal glory. And in the meantime, while we wait for that, the second part of verse four, he says, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. And this is kind of like a, coronation right he crowns us with steadfast love and mercy and the steadfast love is a a committed love a kesed or hesed love in hebrew it's a loyal love or a covenant love and that kind of love that is unbroken expressed in determined acts of the will of god by which he keeps his promise to those who belong to him and he is a, a pardoning God. He is a forgiving God. And he makes covenant with those who put their trust in him. And he'll never break that covenant. Verse 5 says, he also satisfies your years with good things. The sanctified, blessed life is, is the satisfied life. And if you're walking with the Lord, if you have been saved, you walk in a way that God showers you with, you know, endlessly he showers you endlessly with his, his heavenly blessings. And they literally drown us in a constant barrage of, of love. And as a result, verse 5 says, your youth is renewed like the eagle. Because the satisfied life is the wholesome life. It's strong, it's nourished, it flourishes. And this is the kind of imagery of a vigorous, strong, powerful life. And that's exactly what is promised by God to those who are his own. And we need to be thanking him for that, right? This is nothing light. We need to be thanking him for the forgiveness of our iniquities, for healing all of our spiritual diseases, for redeeming us, for resurrecting us from the grave, for crowning our lives with committed, covenant love and by that love pouring out acts of compassion on us and satisfying us with every good thing every good thing that pours life and vigor into our spiritual lives this is what it means to be blessed by god i mean it's just layers upon layers things that we do not deserve He gives to us and so in turn we bless him back you know it means to speak well of his greatness and goodness and it and really mean it from the depths of our soul so the first call to worship is internal and the second call is external and look at verse 6 psalmist moves from beyond speaking to his own heart And he speaks of what God does for everyone who comes to him. Verse 6 says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Verse 7 says, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. So God has revealed his redeeming purpose. God has revealed his righteous nature. He has revealed his judgments. And he started with Moses at the first five books of scripture. And then he gave his revelation to the sons of Israel. So that from the beginning, from Genesis, right on through the, old, the whole Old Testament, we know about God's redemptive purpose. And we know, as verse 6 says, literally, Yahweh is always working total righteousness. He is always working in perfect Righteous ways according to absolutely righteous principles, and therefore he is undeviating in the correctness of his judgments, right? His judgments are exact. He provides righteousness for those who are captives to sin, and yet his judgments are righteous. And this is the riddle of the Old Testament. Now, how can God provide compassion? and righteousness to sinners and somehow still be just but that riddle was solved in Isaiah 53 and the answer is he can give us mercy grace and forgiveness because he punished Christ in our place and this is God's redemptive plan right the only thing historical that we kind of see in the entire psalm in psalm 103 is verse 7 which is a a general reference to the old testament as a point of revelation of god's character nature and redemptive love then starting in verse 8 he gives us He gives all of us reason to bless the Lord, right? Look at verse eight. It says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And we know all these things, right? And as we read the Old Testament, they're all spread out. You know, in every chapter, we we understand slow to anger. And then we look at verse nine. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. And what this means is he will not perpetually find fault with us, right? And that's good news for us. He will not perpetually find fault with us. He will not keep on bearing a grudge forever against us. Though he is perfectly righteous and all his judgments are correct, he will not always be our enemy. And he will will provide a way to become our friend. He will not always be angry with us, and that's good news. And in fact, verse 10 is one of the most precious verses anywhere in scripture. If you look at verse 10, it says, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities, right? That's plenty of reason to bless the Lord, right? If he did that, if he repaid us according to our own iniquities, we'd all be in hell. And he hasn't done that. He put our sins and he put our iniquities on who? On Christ. And so now, as Christians who belong to the Lord, we still have sins. But even now, he doesn't deal with us according to our sins, right? Our sins are many. His judgments are few. Our sins are heavy, but his discipline is light. We are weak, but he has not crushed us. He only wounds us and then heals us. Our sins have been continual and persistent. His blows are occasional and light. Our guilt is heinous and provocative. His forgiveness is patient and merciful. And John Calvin said, He wonderfully blesses those he might justly destroy. So his steadfast love, his covenant love, his committed love, his complete forgiveness of all our sins is so staggering and so vast that it can only be explained by two illustrations of infinity. And if you look how he explains this kind of mercy and this kind of salvation, it's in verse 11. And here's the first illustration of infinity. Verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. When my nephew was around uh, two years old, we would ask him, hey, how much? He, he lives in San Diego, so we always ask him, how much do you love us? And uh, we would FaceTime him and he would say, this much. And we're like, that's it? And then he would try, he would go like, no, this oh, this much. <laughs> so I'm limited, I'm, I'm limited finite being. Um, but he would say, this much. And then we would say, how high? And he'd be like, this, this high. And we're like, that's it? And he was like, this high, you know? Um, and he would we would keep keep stretching him. we would say, "That's it, you know, that's it." And he, he'd keep trying to go higher and higher, uh, but we didn't want his uh, shoulder popping in so but he he' trying to demonstrate to us how much, but we're so limited. But God, he loves us with a committed and covenant love that is infinite and has no bounds, right? He has no plastic shield around him. God doesn't have to use that kind of hyperbole. But it's so stunning and staggering that, you know, you you might wonder if it's actually true. But God wants to illustrate his love for us in an infinite way. And he does it again with another perfect illustration of infinity, right? He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. How far is the east from the west? That is also infinite. Line going in two opposite directions, going into into infinity. And yet, our ingratitude for this kind of covenant love and this kind of forgiveness, it takes our sins into infinity, right? Our ingratitude and stubborn sinfulness would exhaust the patience of anyone except one person. Except the one who loves us infinitely and forgives us infinitely. No wonder Micah says in chapter 7, 18, 19, who is a pardoning God like you? He says, who is a pardoning God like you? There's no one else. And why such love? Why such infinite forgiveness? Look at verse 13, because just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he himself knows our frame. He's mindful that we are but dust. He loves us like like this because because he is our father. He's our father. He has compassion on us as a father has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Those who worship him, true worshiper. Right? He gets it. He knows our frame. He knows our human structure. He's mindful that we started out as dust and we go right back to dust. He understands that. He knows the feebleness of our our will. He knows the strength of our sinful impulses. He knows the violence of our selfishness. He knows the readiness of our disobedience. And he knows the easy disruption of our prayer, right? The fragile character of our joy. He knows all that. And in the same way, I think, you know, I I show compassion to my son um, because he's still learning. I know he doesn't know. I mean, somewhat. I think he kind of knows. But at the same time, I don't think he really knows. Um, but, you know, I, I try to be compassionate with him. I understand why he doesn't. He thinks it's funny. He tries to get our attention, you know. But, you know, uh, one day I saw a spider crawling towards him on the ground. I could have been cruel. I could have been like, hey, remember that time you didn't listen to me? Well, now here's that spider. He's going to gnaw at you for punishment, you know. <laughs> ha, got you back, right? I mean... I don't, I don't let him get bit by that spider. I hate spiders, but I hammer fisted that spider like like hulk, you know, Ah! and then I left the room because I was like, oh my gosh, there's a spider (laughs) on my fist and it's uh so gross. But I try to remain strong for him, you know, try to show him that, you know, it doesn't faze me. But then I went to bathroom like And I came back out and said, no problem, dude. Next time, you got to listen to me, you know? But God's compassion is even greater than mine. He knows, verse 15 says, right? He knows that we're just like grass, like a flower of the field. We flourish. And the wind passes over. It is no more. It places, acknowledges, its place acknowledges it, it no longer. Right? We're here and then we're gone. That's how fragile we are. But He is infinite. And we're this little pile of dust that blows away. And He understands our meager strength, but He's not like us. He is not like us. And He extends to us His steadfast love. Right? Verse 17, that is from everlasting to everlasting right this is a another statement of infinity and what this means is that as long as god has existed he has had this covenant love for his people right it didn't start when you believed there was never a moment in the mind of god when he didn't love his own in in eternity past before anything existed but the father son and Holy Spirit, God had full covenant love extended toward those who have not even yet been created. From electing love to glorifying love, you are loved by God. You were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. He loved you in Christ before time began, and he will love you in Christ when time is over. The commitment love of God for his people is as eternal as God is, right? There's no time with God. He doesn't learn anything. He doesn't arrive on a new idea. He doesn't come up with new people to redeem. He has always loved his own as long as he has existed. And God's love is passionate. God's love is emotional. It is parental. It is protective. It is vast. It is constant. It is omnipotent. It is infinite. It is active. It is it is. to the point that it will never change. He has always loved you. He has always loved you, and he will always love you, right? And who does he love? Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Those who worship him. True worshipers who manifest the truthfulness of their worship by remembering his law, right? Those who are are the faithful and the obedient were saved by grace, but our salvation is manifest by our obedience. And then there's a there's a final call to this to praise. So we 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 saw the internal. Call. We saw the external call, and now there's this universal call in verse 19. It says, "The Lord has established His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom rules over all." So there is a there is a king far greater than David, far greater than any other king. There is a king over all, and it is the Lord. And since He is over all, the psalmist says in verse 20. It says, bless the Lord, O you angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. And if you just look at that verse 20, four things are said about the angels, right? They are his, they are strong, they are obedient, and they serve him. They are forever worshiping him. Their voices are never silent. And the psalmist calls on them to keep blessing the Lord. And then in verse 21, he reaches beyond the angels, beyond the personal being, and says, bless the Lord, all his hosts, right? Hosts. What does that mean? What does he mean by hosts? And if you look at Deuteronomy 4.19, where it says, all the hosts of heaven are the sun, the moon, the stars. So he's literally calling on all the created universe even the inanimate elements of it and he's saying praise the lord and it reminds me of this song and perhaps this is where the song comes out of from psalm 103 but all creatures of our god and king right all creatures of our god and king lift up your voice and with us saying, alleluia alleluia thou burning sun with golden beam Thou silver moon with softer gleam, oh, praise him, oh, praise him. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Right? All creation is called to praise. So the praise is first, when we looked at it, internal. And then it's external, right? Gathering the saints. And then now it's universal. So the crescendo of the song of this psalm is is incredible, right? It starts with worship with one person rooted deep into our soul. And it ends in a worship of the entire universe. And he ends right back where he started. With bless the Lord, O my soul. Which is a way of saying let it begin with me, right? He's saying, let it begin with me. It was 1974, and there was a little boy born in England. And this little boy was born into a very dysfunctional family. His father committed suicide when the little boy was seven. He didn't know that his father had taken his own life until he was 10 and had left some scars on him. His mother remarried to a very abusive stepfather who eventually ended up in prison for abusing the family. Then we later find out that this little boy was also sexually abused. Hard life for that little boy in England. Sometime later in his youth, he went to a mission meeting in England where he heard the gospel and was converted to Christ. And he's a very good musician. And in wanting to celebrate what Christ has done in his life, he started to write songs and he came to Psalm 103 and he wrote a song on Psalm 103. And that song is 10,000 Reasons. And that little boy was Matt Redman. And 10,000 Reasons is his expression of Psalm 103. Now, as we learned in Psalm 103, there are a lot of things to give thanks for and a lot of things to recall for what the Lord has done for us. Not only in his redemptive plan, but his sacrificial love, and then the crowning of his sons and daughters. There is so much more. But for Matt Redman to write 10,000 reasons, that's a good start for us. You know, every day as we live our lives, sometimes we barely make it through five reasons. But 10,000 reasons is a good start because this is his expression of Psalm 103. And my question for you tonight is, what is your expression? How much do you recite in your head the joys and the praise that this psalmist has? Rooted deep in his soul, he has so much to be thankful for, and so much to acknowledge of who Christ is to Him. So as we sing, in the future as we sing one, Psalm 103, and even now, as James is going to lead, ten thousand reasons. I want this to be an anthem of your soul. To remember. That he has forgiven all your iniquities. And he redeemed your life from the pit. And on top of that, he crowns you with his steadfast love and with his mercy. So, let us sing. Thank you, James. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, amen to that. Lord, we are just so thankful for all that we have, all that we are, Lord. There's so much to be thankful for, and yet oftentimes we forget to count the blessings. But may we never forget. May we strive to uh, remember just all that you have done, to remember your benefits. so that everything within, within us can bless your name, the great I am, Yahweh, and that these blessings would be communicated into our heart in the very fiber of our soul, Lord, so that in everything that we do, Lord, we would just be moved, and we would be transformed to serve you well, Lord, to be in your word, so that you alone would be glorified. To remember that, even as uh, even as we uh, work, go to school, drive, that there is something much greater that you have done for us. And Lord, we are forever uh, indebted to you. And this kind of love, Lord, this kind of steadfast love is not known from anyone but you. And Lord, we're so blessed to be able to have that kind of love. Lord, may we strive to spend time with you, to read your word, to have quiet meditation on your goodness and kindness. We thank you for all that you have done in our soul for a life of salvation, Lord, so that one day we will be with you for all eternity. And that's something for our souls to say, bless the Lord. We thank you and pray all this in your name. Amen.